So Matthew chapter 28. We'll start with verse 19. Actually, back up and let's just begin at 16. Hear these words from the Gospel writer Matthew. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank You for Your Word. As we reflect on Your Word this morning, may we respond with a repentant heart and true faith to You. Empower us by Your Spirit now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been talking about baptism now, and this is the fourth Sunday, as I've said. Uh, I've never done a series on baptism, but this has been fun for me. And uh, I can't say it's been fun for you, but maybe it has, maybe it hasn't. (laughs) Um, And this morning, uh, we have reaffirmed our baptism, which is something I've never led. And it was uh, was, uh, an experience that I'll do again for sure. Uh, And there are times where, on our journey of faith, where we need to stop and look back. It's often been said of the Jews that they walk into the future looking backward because they're so concerned with their history. They're so concerned with the book. They're called people of the book. And for a society like ours where we're always looking for what's new, what's coming down the pike next, you know, the new iPhone 4 or the new game that's coming out Tuesday or what not, what have you. Um, the reality is we rarely look back on our lives. And we all need times of reflection. We all need times where we stop and remember that even when we don't keep our promises, God is still keeping His promises. This is the beauty of baptism. This is the beauty of God's covenant with us. And when those words are said, when that water is used, God makes a promise with that person. And whether they forget it, or whether they live it or not, He remains faithful to them. Now that doesn't mean that they are saved. It doesn't mean they have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but it means that God's grace is with them, that God's Spirit promises to strive with them for them to believe. Just as circumcision never saved anyone, neither does baptismal water. But in obedience to God, baptism does save us just as Peter says. Just as the Lord's Supper saves us through its obedience. We are being obedient to the risen Lord. There's nothing magic here. This is not some kind of smoke and mirrors, uh, but it's a reality of God's grace. This morning, the text says this, As you go, make disciples. So, just as you get up every morning and go to work, 
This is what we're to do. Go. This is the first verb that's used in this uh, text here. Go. And as you go, make disciples. As you go, be intentional. We've taught this and preached this at, at, at Harvest Point. We believe this. We believe that you must be intentional as you go about your day, as you go to your work and as you go out to eat. Every instance can be a place where you can share Christ, where we can go and make disciples. How, how do you treat your waitress? How do you treat you know, the person at the gas station that you always stop at? You know, could you, rather than just uh, simply staying at the pump, could you go in and say hey to them? I mean, I've made a relationship with, with these uh, Persians, actually, interestingly enough, at our, um, at our gas station there at the Chevron. I know them. They know me. We don't have a deep relationship, but little things. Be intentional. And this is what Jesus is saying. As you live your life, make disciples. You don't have to go knocking on people's doors. You don't have to go do door hangers. If you want to do that, that's fine. You don't have to go down to the local mall and hand out tracts, something I've done before. You don't have to go stand on the side of the road and preach to people. Something, again, I've done before. I've done both street preaching and handing out tracts. And have been heckled in both. <laughs> and it's quite awkward. You know, you're preaching and some people say, man, how do you preach with all those distractions? Your baby's crying and people walking in and alarms going off and so on and so forth. Well, I've basically preached to myself before, so I'm used to it, you know. I just end up preaching to myself. I just zone out, you know, kind of. I tell Jessica often when the kids are getting rowdy, she says, you know, well, I don't understand. You didn't hear them? I'm like, well, I, mean, I just zoned out, you know. It's not a big deal to me. I can just zone out. She can't, but I can uh, it's not necessarily a positive thing, but <laughs> always. <laughs> but it can be. <clears throat> Jesus says, look, as you live your life, make disciples. Walk in it. Don't sit. Don't lie down. But instead, as you go, go. Just like He says to Levi, get up. Follow Me. And He follows Him. We must be active, moving in our spiritual life. Uh, there's a book called Walk Across the Room by Bill Hybels. His point is sometimes we know we should say something to somebody and we can't even get up and walk across the room. We're stymied or paralyzed by fear itself. And that kind of fear is not of God, but of the enemy. Some, you know, there, I know there's people in your life this week, if there's nobody else at work or friends who need a word of encouragement, your husband does. Your wife does. I can tell you that before I even know your situation. To have somebody that lives that close to you affirm you, that's really saying something. Because as you already know, to have them criticize you is also hurtful. And sometimes helpful. Most of the time, helpful for me. <laughs> I need Jessica's criticism. <clears throat> but you know how it is. A person who's close to you, a person who knows you, that affirms you. Yes, it is. It is. This is, yes, exactly. It's on, now it's on the World Wide Web, so thanks for that. Yes. I do need Jessica's criticism. I invoke her criticism, actually. <laughs> she knows what I mean by that. But <clears throat> sometimes all it takes is walking across the room, guys. Sometimes it just means walking to that cubicle or going over here and making a phone call or sending a text message to somebody that needs a word of encouragement, that needs to know you're praying for them. Just tell somebody this week that you're praying for them. That could change their week. 
Say, really, I'm re- you've been in my heart. I'm really praying for you. As you go, make disciples. Offer not just worldly wisdom, not just some kind of, hope you're doing well, but offer Christ to them this week. Not just yourself, not just what you think they need, but offer everybody needs Christ. Offer that. Offer Him this week in some way. I'm praying for you that God would do this. Let me tell you what God has done in my life recently. So, as you go, make disciples. And, notice this, as you go, make disciples. So the point is to point them to Christ. The point's not just to make a friend. The point's not just to kind of go to your boss and say, Hey man, I really appreciate the job you've been doing. Hope you give me a raise, you know. No, it's no, it's nothing attached but Christ. That's what the attachment is. We are propelled, compelled, commissioned for a mission to offer Christ and point to Him. Where you don't have to, you don't have to be anxious. This is not your ball game. This is not your life that you're offering. You're just pointing to Christ. You know, that really takes off the load for me. To understand that in my preaching, in what I offer here, at the end of the day, I'm just pointing to Him. He has to do it. I mean, I've, I've been very anxious before and just downtrodden, quite frankly, because I'm like, man, the sermon was terrible. I messed up on this and the bulletin. I put psalm rather than epistle. Da, 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 da. I can just critique myself a thousand times, which I do. But at the end of the day, if I point to Him, that's what matters. If my life points to Him, that's what is meant to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We point to God that takes the burden off of us to make it happen in their life. Oh boy, I hope, I hope they'll... No, it's the Holy Spirit we offer. But you must be prayed up. You must be intentional. You must really be praying for them. Carry these people in your heart There's people all around you who need God just like you need God. We're sitting in this room and we all look nice and we all look Christian. But at the end of the day, we all need God maybe even more than they do sometimes. The people we're ministering to. I know that's... When I come to this sacred desk, I need God more than you most of the time. I'm coming out of repenting. I'm coming out of failure to hear doesn't mean I'm better than anybody in this room. Jesus, it, always, it always cautions me. Jesus says, look, I did not come for the well, the healthy. I came for the sick. We must know our disease and know our tendencies and never trust ourselves even at our best moments. We're not trustworthy. If you haven't learned that already, you have missed a life lesson somewhere. It's what we affirm in repentance. God, I can't do it. This is what we offer. Point to Christ. Plant that seed in their life. And one thing we do here is not only do we plant seeds of the Gospel, we also prune those who are in discipleship groups. This is the point of our discipleship groups. We come to each other and say, look, I'm struggling with this. I need your guys' help. I can't do it on my own. 
And so we begin to cut off areas. Well, maybe you could stop doing this. Maybe this needs to be removed. Now, nobody likes that kind of accountability. Nobody likes that kind of discipleship. But it is the way of the cross. Paul says, cut it off. Put it to death. He uses that kind of terminology concerning sin. Not, eh, just try not to do that again. No. Not only are we told to go, and as we're going, make disciples, but then baptize them. Baptize them in the triune name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Again, this is God's way. This is entrance into both the covenant, the new covenant, that Jesus constitutes with His very life. I mean, this is what we're about to celebrate, is the new covenant of His blood, of His body. And baptism is entrance in. It's only the beginning. (laughs) Just as Jessica and I were only married once, and we may reaffirm those vows, we're not remarried. Just as today, you're only baptized once. If you wander away, you don't get married again. You reaffirm that. God remained faithful. We're the ones that walked away. And so... His promise is true. His promise is guaranteed by the Holy Spirit Himself. The Holy Spirit is in those who believe. There's another person at work in your life. What an amazing mystery. What an amazing thought. C.S. Lewis always think when I say this every time about Christ in us, how it's mysterious. He says... You would look at someone who says their prayers in the morning as they're getting ready, says a couple prayers during the day, and prays at night on their knees before their bed, before they go to sleep. You look at that and say, oh yeah, that's just a really simple act. But if you could see behind the scenes, you would realize, no, it's not a simple act at all. What's happening here in such a simple looking scene is the deepest mystery of our world. That is Christ in us. In us. Working, changing, removing, encouraging. He's at work in your life. God is. He's alive. This is why we meet this morning. Is He is the risen Lord. This is not the dead Word. This is the living Word that we offer this morning. The living Christ who remains in you and promises to be with you even to the end of the age, always. What an amazing promise. And we also, following the verbs here, teach them to obey the commands of Christ. Part of the church and part of what I try to do every chance I get is to teach the faith of Jesus Christ. Apparently, Jesus says we must learn it. It's not something that's going to come by natural means. We must purposely teach people how to obey God. Just as you teach your children to obey. We, when we make disciples, must teach people how to obey Christ. And you remember what Christ says by His very words, If you love Me, 
you will keep my commandments. Do you love him this morning? Have you been keeping his commands? Do you love God with all your heart? With all your soul? With all your strength and mind? And do you love your neighbor like you love yourself? There's three people to love in there. God, others, and self. The Holy Spirit is the love of God. You can receive His Spirit this morning. I'm going to give you a moment to pray silently as we enter into our time of communion. If there's any sin in your life, if you've not been making disciples, if you haven't followed this commission, if in your life fear has gripped you, if in your life sin has gotten the best of you, if in your life you've wandered from the covenant that you made in baptism, return to God. Return to Him now, this very hour, this very minute can be a moment of faith for you, can be a moment where God's Spirit saves your soul. He's offering Himself this morning. Will you respond to Him in faith now as we pray?